0: Movie Date is supported by the Movie Music Stream at yourclassical.org. Soundtracks for every moment of the day and features that complement your listening experience. Movies at
1: yourclassical.org. Kristen, you're from Minnesota, and I'm from California. Have yes. you ever been in an earthquake?
0: Um, well, not in Minnesota. In Minnesota, we had tornadoes, so we had tornado drills all the time as well, a kid school. that's pretty in school. bad, tornadoes. But there was one time here in New York where there was an earthquake. Do you remember that? No. When? It, it caused a little bit of the jitters here. And I remember my uh, monitor bet. on my desk here at WNYC started to jiggle, and everybody ran out of the building, and we met in a safety spot. And Do you
1: remember this? No, I probably didn't even. I mean, I, I'm, look, I'm from Los Angeles.
0: You're like, whatever. It's a jiggle.
1: I lived, <laughs> I lived through the 89 earthquake in uh, San Francisco. I was. Oh, in, my gosh. I was, I was, really? Yep, yeah, I was in Berkeley at the time.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. You know you know what? I, you know I was actually at Cafe Ferenz, uh which is a cafe near um Berkeley and uh the earthquake hit and the barista, we didn't call them that back then, but the barista actually leapt over the counter and ran out of the cafe. And I just stayed right where I was and kept studying. And then, and like, about two, three hours later, I closed my books and then learned that the Bay Bridge had collapsed. Oh, my god! <laughs> I had no idea. It didn't really feel that bad to me. Wow. I'm, I'm, so I'm earthquakes are nothing, you. It's You're nothing like, to are just like,
0: Whatever. The yeah. earth's moving. Tectonic it's, plates are rubbing together. They yeah, do that sometimes. It's no big
1: deal. <laughs> well, I was just curious because, you know, maybe that answers why you liked Into the Storm so much. Because you're a tornado gal.
0: I just like a mess. <laughs> well, I, just, I, just, I just like a—you know, the Earth's going to win eventually.
1: The Earth will win. Let's see uh, which of us were was more uh, terrified, moved, affected. Oh, no, you didn't. By uh, San Andreas, <laughs> the new movie about earthquakes in California, starring Dwayne Johnson, Paul Giamatti, Carla Gugino, Alexandra Daddario— uh, and uh, we also are going to talk about Aloha, the new Cameron Crowe film starring Bradley Cooper and Emma Stone.
0: We also have a couple of sweatpants picks, and we're going to do a deep dive conversation into a very important topic.
1: Yes, we're going to hand out the Nobel Prize for Theoretical Movie Science.
0: Ooh, yes. Love that movie science. You got to.
1: (laughs) But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday.
0: And I'm Kristen Meinzer, culture producer for The Takeaway, and this is Movie Date.
1: Okay, Kristen, give us the rundown. What's happening in San Andreas?
0: Well, you may have heard of this fault line called the San Andreas Fault. I know it well. But what you may not realize is that it connects with another fault line and that half of California is all completely on the verge of falling into the ocean at any moment because of these fault lines. San Andreas explains this to us, or rather, the head scientist in this film, the seismologist played by Paul Giamatti, he explains all of this to us. And then, you know what? He doesn't just explain it. He has to warn us because there are earthquakes happening right now. But they're just going to be followed by worse and worse and worse earthquakes. And the only person who's really going to be able to help us is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He's going to come in there with his chopper, come in there with boats, come in there with trucks, come in there with cords, with wires, with hooks, with whatever means necessary in order to save his daughter and his soon-to-be ex-wife. Here's a clip.
2: Basically, California's entire tectonic plate has shifted. People need to know that the shaking is not over. And it's not aftershocks I'm talking about. San Francisco will get hit again, and it's going to be a bigger monster this time. Our models are predicting a 9.5 or greater. It will be so big that even though it's happening here in California, you will feel it on the East Coast.
0: So as I was mentioning, Rafer, there's also this emotional story of The Rock trying to get his family back together. But what I didn't mention is he also has a daughter who has her own emotional arc because she might be falling in love with this British guy who's so jaunty. The cute British guy. Yeah, the cute British guy. So there's a romance, there's a family thing, but more than anything, this is about the earth rising up and trying to save yourself and save those you love. So what did you think, Rafer?
1: Well, I like a big... Disaster film. I was raised on these things. Poseidon Adventure, Towering Inferno. You know, airport movies. um, (laughs) And of and of course, you know, uh, the first thing I thought when I saw the trailers for San Andreas was uh, Earthquake from 1974. Charlton Heston, classic, um, filmed in Sensurround. Wow, which was a sound, a new technology that would actually rattle your seats.
0: Really. Amazing. Yes.
1: Yes, it would. It was one of those uh, sound systems that would give you that kind of deep body vibration in your gut. Ooh. Yeah, I was. I was a kid. I was too scared. I ran out of the theater. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I actually. I, I forced my dad to to leave midway through um, Earthquake. I still regret that, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that was the first thing I thought. Uh, you know, not much has changed disaster film wise. Uh, the still...
0: special effects.
1: Well, the special effects are certainly different. Yeah, Earth... it used yeah. to be
0: just like the camera person would be holding the camera and go jiggle, jiggle yeah, jiggle. shaky
1: cam. That was <laughs> Earthquake was one of the first movies that did that. Um, and uh, yeah, and they used you know miniatures and matte paintings. Now we've got you know megabytes and computer generated whatever. Um, so yeah, of course the special effects are much more spectacular. Did you like the special effects in this film?
0: Oh yeah, you I did. loved it. Oh yeah, everything. Everything's exploding. Everything's falling down. The buildings the are Golden crackling. Gate Bridge, the whole Tower. The, Snapping
1: like a rubber band all the Golden the Gate Bridge. the roads are
0: breaking. And then, of course, there has to be a tsunami following all of this. And who doesn't love seeing all of San Francisco underwater? And then there's fires.
1: And, oh, You know, the tsunami I didn't think was that impressive. I thought the tsunami water looked a little fake. <laughs> you wanted it to look more deadly. I just, I just, I didn't really buy the look of it. It didn't look that great uh, mm. to me. But I, but that's a a, a small quibble um, compared to my larger quibble with this film, which is that it has no personality, life, or humor in it yes, whatsoever. It does.
0: Yes, it does. What are you talking about? What about that jaunty mm. British guy and his little brother? Not funny. So adorable. Not charming. You know, sometimes you're... Caught in a deadly situation, and your brother's falling in love with a girl, and he's kissing her, and you're standing right there shaking your and head. That little precocious thirteen-year-old. Oh, 13-year-old. you sure are. Yes.
1: Oh, Mum's gonna love her. Yes. Well, I think the the irritating thing about that whole arc is that um, <laughs> this is kind of a good thing. Alexander, excuse me, Alexandra Daddario, who plays uh, Dwayne Johnson's daughter turns out to be a chip off the old block. She's resourceful. She knows things. She's a little bit techie-minded. She can come up with some good ideas, which I think is cool to give the girl that kind of power in a movie like this, because usually all she's there for is to kind of run and shake her boobs while things are falling down across her, which Alexandra Daddario does do some of that. But she has some kind of Skills and some and some you know some agency. She's here. a chip off the old rock. She's a chip. Oh, Kristen! Yeah, good I one. did it. Why didn't I use that in my review? <laughs> um, but then, the, but then the the British character turns out to be so phenomenally useless that eventually I kind of thought, what do you see in this guy yeah, aside from his like accent? He has an
0: engineering degree, and remember, he rescues her at one point2 Yeah, with a
1: car jack. Whatever. I mean, I just, you know, Alexandra Daddario at least has like you know is figuring out stuff about landlines and you know all kinds of stuff. And I don't know. I just thought the the Ben character, the the cute Brit, was kind of he was a little he was a little more worthless than I than I than I wanted him to be. I wanted him to have some reason for being there. But aside from that, it's just. The, the the dialogue in this movie is duddier really than for, than any dialogue is, i've heard in years it is an action movie starring the rock okay yeah, it, but i what, mean what i mean are you going in here expecting let's uh, i will just say one two words to you die hard i mean that has got some great funny sparkling hilarious dialogue die it's hard is fantastic full of catchphrases and the first thing the rock says the very first words out of his mouth in this film are Just doing my job, ma'am. And I kind of thought, oh, are you kidding? Is that really where we're going in this film? You're going to be that guy? You're going to be the Western hero from 1955? No update, no twist, no humor, no nothing? Somebody
0: has to be that solid rock in this movie while everyone else is going crazy.
1: And who better to do it That was the the only funny line in this film where some woman is cowering, and here comes the rock with, with his giant biceps, and she says, what are we supposed to do? And The Rock says, just get yourself up against something sturdy. (laughs) I remember thinking, oh, okay, bingo, there's one. There's one funny line, but the rest of it is just atrocious. Let's go get our daughter. Oh. I I think you just have to have fun with this rafer.
0: There's no fun fun in it. it.
1: There's no fun in it. It's so
0: fun. I'm saying enjoy the spectacle, enjoy the silliness, enjoy the fact that this is just an adventure. Don't take it so seriously.
1: Did you like San Andreas?
0: I thought San Andreas was a good date.
1: Wow. I thought thought it it was an
0: enjoyable, fun, silly, ridiculous date. I enjoyed San Andreas. And you
1: loved it too right i thought san andreas was a, <laughs> a big boring spectacle of a date i thought it had a lot of effects and absolutely nothing else to recommend it and that's about it and i you know sure it's fun to see people escape from a building and then another building and another building and race a boat into a tsunami and blah 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 but i thought it was actually in a strange way not that enjoyable and kind of boring i thought it was kind of a snooze actually that's just me All right. Next up, Aloha, the new Cameron Crowe film.
0: You know how I feel about Cameron Crowe, don't you, Rafer?
1: I like Cameron Crowe. At least his, his older movies, I think, are great.
0: I think I've summed this up on the podcast in the past, and I'll just say it again. Some guy's a total douchebag. But despite that, some blonde girl really likes him, and he's going to be saved by that blonde girl. Now, that is the True. plot in Jerry Maguire. It's a yes. plot in Elizabethtown.
1: Yes. It's a plot
0: for two of the characters yeah. in We Bought a Zoo. <laughs> we Bought a Zoo. <laughs> I'm a douchebag dude, but for some reason, these girls love me anyway, and
1: they're blonde, and they're going to save me. He was The the, the Mad Damon character in We Bought a Zoo wasn't that bad, I didn't think, was he? He wasn't that douchey, but mostly, this is Cameron uh, Crowe. I mean, Storyline. This is what he does. Yeah. No. I. I look. I. I know what you're saying. Um. But I like Cameron Crowe, and I think. Um. With Jerry Maguire, you know, there was something about. The sincerity of that movie that really bowled us all over. And here he comes back with Aloha, great sparkling cast. Emma oh, Stone, yeah. Bradley Rachel Cooper, McAdams. Rachel yeah. McAdams. And then, you know, a supporting Bill cast. Bill Murray. <laughs> Bill Murray, John Krasinski, Alec Baldwin, Danny McBride. I mean, it's it's a really great cast. Uh, the storyline is basically uh, Bradley Cooper is a, an ex-vet. He's now a private military contractor. He's returning to Hawaii, where Rachel McAdams, his old girlfriend, has hooked up with his colleague, played by John 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 Krasinski, and they've got a family. Um, And so Bradley Cooper is a little bit torn between her, but he's also kind of intrigued by this young Air Force captain played by Emma Stone. You know, the question is, which will he choose, and can he do the right thing as a private defense contractor? Is that that the kind of job that you can really feel good about? Here's a clip.
2: I don't even remember why we broke up. (laughs) We broke up because you didn't show up on our vacation. You stayed in Guam. Guam? Really? Don't pretend like you don't remember. Uh. You know what? I do remember. You said if you don't show up on this vacation, then that's it. Because you're a workaholic who creates work to avoid real work. Yeah, well, I'm still working on that. But to me, you see, a vacation can't be an ultimatum.
1: So, Kristen, I'm guessing, you know, you not being a huge Cameron Crowe fan, maybe this movie didn't sit that well with you?
0: It's not just because I'm not a Cameron Crowe fan. Anybody could have made this horrible movie, and I would have hated it. It doesn't matter who would have made it. It could have been made by Steven Spielberg. It could have been made by, you know, anybody. And it still would have been horrible if it was this movie. As you can tell by that scene we just heard between Rachel McAdams and Bradley Cooper, it doesn't even sound like they're reacting to each other at all. Like, it's like I may as well say something. Will you take the dog on a walk? And then your response was, I like the Cosby show. It's like they're not even like in the same room.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not going to take the dog on, the, on a walk. But you know what? I am going to. <laughs> I think I will take that dog on a walk. That is, That is exactly what this whole movie all is the like. the
0: dialogue is like that.
1: It's all like that. The, the, Bradley, the Bradley Cooper character, Brian Gilchrist is his name, um, completely baffling. No, I have no idea what, who he's supposed to be, what he's doing, what his personality is like. I guess he's the the cynical jaded guy who's been kind of beat up in Kabul and, you know, and then we learn later on that he was some kind of corrupt soldier skimming money from the natives in, uh, in wherever he was, Afghanistan or wherever yeah. it was, which sounds pretty horrible. Um, and now he's, Working for Bill Murray, who plays this billionaire, it's very hard to tell, to your point again, Kristen, it's very hard to tell whether the Bill Murray character is kind of a lovable eccentric or whether he's just a despicable, ruthless warmonger. And and it's sort of like, well, that's... Those are kind of two extremes, which – what do we what do we got here? What is this character? Is he, a, is he a hero or is he a villain? Am I supposed to be charmed by him or am I supposed to hate him? I can't tell, and I don't think Cameron Crowe really knows either.
0: I don't think any of the characters are what they're supposed to be necessarily, though. Because I'm no. like, is Rachel McAdams supposed to be the lovable woman who made a mistake? Is she – like sometimes it sounds right. like she's about to laugh. Sometimes she's about to cry. Sometimes she's right. smiling while she's saying – something that's just horrible I, do you love your sense.
1: husband but you still have some feelings for Bradley Cooper which is understandable but do you feel like you actually want to leave your husband for Bradley Cooper which would make you a little bit uh, despicable and then Emma I think Emma Stone's char- her character is actually the least convincing oh. I think because it's very hard to tell you know she comes on like the up, I'm the up I'm the uptight you know air force careerist and Bradley Cooper keeps saying things like you know don't you know how to have, have have any fun here but then it turns out that she's actually like fun incarnate she charms everyone yes. I, i'm charming the hawaiian people i'm charming bill murray i'm charming everyone everyone loves me i light up a room and i kind of think well which are you are you the, you know are you the are you the the wet blanket or are you the magical fairy who comes in and sprinkles dust all over everyone and gets us all excited it's it's just impossible to tell. I couldn't
0: tell with her. I felt like she was on drugs a lot of the time.
1: Like are everyone's, you on everyone Everyone's seems on like some on sort drugs. of
0: different drug. It's like, oh, you're the cocaine character. You're the one who's on ecstasy. <laughs> you're the one who's coming down from heroin right now in this scene. I don't. I, I I just don't know what this was supposed to be. I don't know what it was trying to tell me. I don't know what the story was supposed to be. And can we just talk about it? Not just being tone deaf as far as like tonally, it was completely off in the sense of these characters and what they're saying. But the skin tone, can we talk about for just one second? Like, we're in Hawaii, and oddly, like, 99% of the people in Hawaii are white. We all know that Hawaii is less than a third white in real life. Right. And um, Emma Stone's character is supposed to be Asian and Chinese. (laughs) One quarter Hawaiian. One quarter Hawaiian, one quarter Chinese. Her last name is Ng, NG. Ng, yeah, right. And she's Captain Ng, and... What?
1: Right. Yeah, I I know. I know. Um, I'm. It's I'm... because
0: Cameron Crowe needed a blonde girl to rescue the guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Strawberry blonde. <laughs> um, okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I, I, I'm not sure how I even feel about this. Um, I'm gonna read out. Uh, Amy Pascal's leaked email about this which I know seems a little a little down and dirty but R- these... Remind
0: our listeners of who well, Amy Pascal is
1: Amy Pascal is the, uh, was, was the uh, co-chair of Sony Pictures um, at the time when this was um, uh, this film was being made um, and as you guys might remember uh, all those Sony emails were leaked when Sony got hacked during the interview and it spilled out all these emails you remember uh, the Obama remarks that came mm. out all, all this stuff Um, Well, here's one of the emails. Maybe this is not playing fair, but here's Amy Pascal's candid and, I think, spot-on email about this film. She says, It's a wrap. There is no more to do. People don't like people in movies who flirt with married people or married people who flirt. The satellite makes no sense. The gate makes no sense. (laughs) I'm never starting a movie again when the script is ridiculous and we all know it. I don't care how much I love the directors and the actors. It never, not even once, ever works. That, I think, pretty much sums up this movie. It's got to be the worst movie of the year, and it's definitely the worst movie Cameron Crowe has ever made. Oh, yeah.
0: It makes We Bought a Zoo look like it deserves an Oscar. Yeah, it, it's, it's and astounding. And We Bought a Zoo is horrible.
1: Yeah. We Bought a Zoo, that was not a good film. <laughs> I I have to agree with you. It was okay. It was not a, not a great film. Uh, so I think if it's not already obvious... Aloha is just an abysmal date.
0: Oh, God, it's the worst date ever.
1: It's incredible. It's just
0: absolutely horrible.
1: All right, we agree on that. Yes, we do. All
0: right, well, stay with us, though, because when we come back, we have our sweatpants picks for the week, as well as a very important conversation about the best scientists specializing in pseudoscience in the movies.
2: Movie Date is supported by the Movie Music Stream at yourclassical.org, a new site for expertly curated
0: streams, unique programs, and relevant features to promote calm and focus. Click, listen, and relive your favorite moments on the silver screen. Find a steady stream for your epic scenes with movies at yourclassical.org.
1: I'm Rafer Guzman. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. And this is Movie Date.
0: Rafer, remind our listeners where they can go at any time to see fun pictures of us and movie trailers and all of our conversations we have online.
1: That's facebook.com slash movie date podcast.
0: Oh, and remind the listeners also where they can call if they just want to yell at us or complain or answer trivia questions.
1: Even better, that's five seven one seven movies.
0: All right. Well, thank you for that important reminder, Rafer. Shall we move on to something with some stretchy pants?
1: You're wearing sweatpants. It's Monday. Never mind the Queen of England. I don't know. Does the Queen of England only wear sweatpants? When
2: you are a man, sometimes you wear stretchy pants in your room.
0: All right, Rafer. We have a couple of sweatpants picks for the week. Movies, TV shows, things you can watch when you're just sitting on the couch at home. So, Rafer, tell us about your pick this week.
1: Well, uh, next week, uh, we're going to see the Brian Wilson biopic, Love and Mercy. Uh, That's this unusual biopic that stars uh, Paul Dano as the young Brian Wilson and John Cusack as the older Brian Wilson. And so my sweatpants pick for this week is a 1991 documentary. That essentially rejuvenated Brian Wilson's career and I think reintroduced him to an entire generation. It's called I Just Wasn't Made for These Times. And this was the movie that uh, came out around the time that Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys were still thought of as these washed up has-beens. I think the... The rock, the, the, the canonical rock critis, critics, the, the established rock critics, they all considered Brian Wilson a genius. But nobody else really felt that way about him. I think, you know, my generation and, and afterwards, had all, we're all kind of thinking of the Beach Boys as this sappy, sugary.
0: Oh, yeah, sun-kissed commercial. Yeah, and... exactly right.
1: The Good Vibration <laughs> sun-kissed commercial. We all thought they were this kind of dumb surfer band from the uncool part of the 60s, right? The pre-psychedelic, not-so-interesting part of the 60s. And Don was a music producer and musician. He's worked with everybody from, you know, uh, Dylan to Iggy Pop to Elton John to beyond. Um, And he was also uh, a musician in the band Was Not Was. Remember Was Not Was? No. No. Hello, Dad, I'm in jail. Oh, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Anyway, Don was made this documentary making the case to say Brian Wilson is a freaking genius. He was very smart, and he got a lot of hipsters to say the same thing, especially um, uh, Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth, mm. which I think was the real selling point in 1991. was, oh my God, if Thurston Moore likes him, everyone should like him. Here's a clip. He was a pretty far out guy to be married to, let me tell you. Life was something else.
2: I don't think there's anyone his equal in pop music for this 50 years.
1: Brian never took a music lesson in his life.
2: You know? Well, how do you learn to arrange
1: like that? Then? You sit for hours at a piano with with that being your major deal in life.
2: It's really fascinating hearing such complex harmony come out of somebody who's considered, uh, you know,
1: not right or something.
0: I'm just going to say it right now, Rafer. Brian Wilson was a genius.
1: He was a genius. And it's
0: a shame that he had that reputation and the whole band had that reputation for just being silly fluff because... When you think about the arrangements and when you look back at some of the music, and I fortunately never was too cool for the Beach Boys. I fortunately- Good for you. Loved the Beach Boys from a very young age, and- who doesn't just think Pet Sounds is the greatest album? I mean, it's just one of the greatest albums ever made.
1: I'm just going to admit it right now. As a former rock critic, uh, I'm embarrassed to say I had never really given the Beach Boys a second thought until I saw this documentary, which I think also introduced us to this idea of Brian Wilson, the, the depressed, tortured, uh, dysfunctional genius that we didn't know. Um, this idea that he'd spent three years in bed um, in this later part of his life falling apart. Um, I went out and bought Pet Sounds and just thought... Holy crap, everyone's right. This is incredible, and went back and rediscovered the entire Beach Boys canon, and I've been a huge fan ever since, and I owe it to this film. And I would say to listeners, um, when Love and Mercy comes out next week, uh, this is a good film to see because I think it'll give you a lot of background, and it'll familiarize you a little bit more with uh, the pet sounds and the Brian Wilson story. So that's my sweatpants pick for the week.
0: Yeah, and we don't normally make record recommendations, but if you also want to just like listen to a record this week... Listen to pet sounds. That's
1: that would it's, that would be the one. It's
0: fantastic. Now, my pick for the week is a little bit different. This is out on Netflix today. It's called Hot Girls Wanted. This is a new documentary that is produced by Rashida Jones of Parks yes. and Rec fame, yes. and um, it is about the teen amateur. Professional porn industry. Now, to explain what amateur professional porn is,
1: pro am, they call it.
0: Pro am, yeah. So you're somebody who is maybe 18, 19 years old. You don't have a boob job. You don't have hair extensions. You just look like the girl next door. You just answered an ad on Craigslist, probably. And you are suddenly in these movies that are handheld cameras, usually, that have no scripts. The acting is horrible because it's barely acting. And you're essentially playing a version of yourself, where it's like, "Oh, I've never done this before." Oh, you know, that and you're teamed up
1: with a professional.
0: Yeah, and uh, this movie looks at that world and it follows a bunch of girls who all live in what kind of looks like a sorority house. They're all just living together in Miami Beach, making these movies, and you see how they enter from getting off the plane to oh wow to living in this house to what happens to them afterward. Because some of them stay in the industry. Some of them leave the industry. Here's a clip.
2: I was a waitress and a bartender at a pizzeria place and
0: a hostess at Mamacita's. I had never been on a plane before.
2: I needed some way to escape
0: somehow. And I found an ad on Craigslist. It was under TV shows and radio jobs. It didn't hit me until... I got on the plane. That's one of the girls whose um, story, as you can hear there, she is just, you know, just a regular girl. She wanted to try something new. She'd never been on a plane before. She just was making a pittance, working as a hostess and as a waitress, and she wanted something new, and this is what she ends up in. And I have to say, this movie isn't pro or anti-porn, which Uh is part of what makes it so smart. I think it's just showing... These stories, and it's not putting blame on people necessarily, but it's showing their lives and the problems with this world, and it needs regulation, and also it's showing the problem with the world where when these girls from all these small towns and different places don't have other opportunities – what they get drawn into and what's happening in our culture right now where it's not unusual to take a sexy selfie and send it. It's not that unusual to be, you know, taking a naked, you know, video with you and your boyfriend. And then the next step, it's not that unusual too. And then before you know it, it just, you know, we we live in certain times right now where it's so easy to videotape anything. And, uh, and it's understandable that some of these girls want to leave where they're from and they want to explore their sexuality and they want to make money and at the same time, it's heartbreaking because it's very intelligently constructed. You see why they enter, but then you see why some of them have to leave because some of it's just really horrible. Interesting, Really, really horrible what some of them go through. And um, I don't know if I want to go into details here because it might be too graphic to talk about for families, but some of it is just horrible. But I recommend that. It's Hot Girls Wanted. It's on Netflix today.
1: Let's switch gears here a little bit. Kristen, um, you know, uh, we just discussed Paul Giamatti playing a uh, Caltech scientist who was trying to warn Californians of the dangers of earthquakes. And uh, that got us to thinking, <laughs> by the way, can we talk about some of these dangers of earthquakes?
0: What? Because they aren't just quakes. They're <laughs> cluster quakes. <laughs> this
1: is a complete cluster quake. <laughs> I got to use all that. All these
0: new kinds of Earthquake science terms that I'd never heard of before. But he delivers them with great gravity.
1: Well, that's the great Paul Giamatti. Again, I know you liked San Andreas better than I did. I thought Paul Giamatti was the only living thing in it's this film. It's not a question of if. It's a question
0: of when. God be with you.
1: God be with you. Uh, he's great. He's great. And that got us to thinking about all the other great movie scientists uh, that have been in movies throughout the ages. Some convincing, some not so convincing, some doing a fantastic job of explaining science that really is absolute nonsense. So Kristen and I decided that we're going to give out the Nobel Prize for Theoretical Movie Science.
0: Now we have a number of nominees for this, and let me just name off who they are. First of all, we have Michael Caine in Interstellar. We have Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. We have Stellan Skarsgård in Thor. We have Morgan Freeman in Lucy, and we have Jodie Foster in contact.
1: So let's hear a clip of Morgan Freeman playing Professor Samuel Norman uh, in Lucy. He's going to try to explain to us why Scarlett Johansson is becoming the Internet. She's, (laughs) She's ingested a drug, and all of a sudden she's turned into a superhuman and seems to be becoming the Internet. Here's a clip.
2: 100 billion neurons per human of which only 15% are activated. There are more connections in the human body than there are stars in the galaxy. We possess a gigantic network of information to which we have almost no access. Sir? Yes? And what would be the next stage? Well, the next stage would probably be control of other people. But for that, we
1: would need to access at least 40% of our brain's capacity. After have to control of ourselves and others, come control of matter. Now, that's a, that's a hard one to beat, authoritative. It's got that Morgan Freeman voice. You can almost believe what he's saying there.
0: Yeah, I, I do.
1: You do? Yeah. I do.
0: I believe everything he's saying. I right have now. to admit,
1: I believed it, too, even while I was sitting through that ridiculous film.
0: Yeah, you're like, oh, that makes sense. That totally, <laughs> yeah, that totally makes sense. She's the Internet. Yeah, that's totally fine. Now, let's talk about Michael Caine in Interstellar. Yes. Now, We are going into outer space, but there's space, there's time, there's all this other stuff. Michael Caine can explain it far better than I can because he's a scientist.
2: Earth's atmosphere is 80% nitrogen. We don't even breathe nitrogen. Blight does, and as it thrives, our air gets less and less oxygen. The last people to starve will be the first to suffocate. And your daughter's generation will be the last to survive on Earth. Now you need to tell me what your plan is to save the world. We're not meant to save the world. We're meant to leave it.
1: Yes, that's Michael Caine as Dr. John Brand, NASA scientist, trying to explain an equation. I'm still not sure.
0: I'm still <laughs> it's not so sure. difficult that he can't be anything but right. You it's know so, what? That's a so, good point. It's so challenging and so hard to grasp that obviously it's the truth.
1: Because you don't know, Kristen. I don't know
0: what he's talking about. And neither do I. I have no idea what he's talking about. Obviously, he's a real scientist.
1: All right. Okay, so that's a pretty good one. Here's here's another one. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård, he plays Dr. Eric Selvig in the Thor films, usually a level-headed sort. Occasionally goes off a little half-cocked. He does show up in his underwear raving about something at one point in one of the Thor movies. But um, Dr. Eric Selvig is going to try to explain to us uh, why Thor is here. Thor, an ancient god from uh, the Vikings, has shown up in our present day time uh, to woo uh, Natalie Portman. Here's a clip.
2: Dr. Selby, I've been hearing about the New Mexico situation. Your work has impressed a lot of people who are much smarter than I am. I have a lot to work with.
1: The Foster Theory, a gateway to another dimension, is unprecedented.
0: I love that scientist.
1: I'm not sure what he's talking about. Are you?
0: It doesn't matter. When your face is relaying that level of seriousness, it's nothing but true pseudoscience. <laughs> think, it's got to be. It's got to be true I, pseudoscience.
1: I, I, think, I think Stellan Skarsgård might be a long shot for this, for this prize. I don't of know. Of
0: course that's what Thor is. Of course. <laughs> All right. Can we talk for just a moment about Jodie Foster in Contact? Now, she is an astrophysicist searching... For extraterrestrial intelligence out in the universe, there's this machine, this machine that killed the last person who used it. But she's gonna put herself on the line, she's gonna get in this machine. She believes that there is life out there, and it says something bigger about the human condition and about the universe, and she can explain it.
1: Talk to me, guys. Partially polarized set of moving pulses, amplitude modulated. We're Systems checkout signal across the board. What's the frequency?
0: 4.4623 gigahertz. Hydrogen
2: times pi. Told you. Strong sucker, too.
0: I got it! I got it! I got
2: it! I'm patched in! Alright, let me hear it. What's that? Make me a liar, fish.
1: I think I think Jodie Foster's ace in the hole here is that, is that contact was based on a Carl Sagan novel. So you've yes. got you've got some you've got some actual heft, some actual scientific. You have got to believe there's something true in there somewhere. Somewhere, Cosmos guy would not lie to us.
0: He would never lie. Okay, no. love that Carl Sagan. All right,
1: that's a contender right there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, our last one is of course Jeff Goldblum as Ian Malcolm, a chaos theoretician who visits Jurassic Park. Here's a clip. I'm
2: still not clear on chaos. Oh, oh, it it, it uh, simply uh, deals with uh, predictability in complex systems. The shorthand is the the butterfly effect. A butterfly can flap its wings in Peking and in Central Park, you get rain instead of sunshine. I <laughs> Did I go too fast? I go too fast. I did a flyby. No, give it give that big glass of water. I'll We're going to conduct an experiment. It should be still. The car is bouncing up and down, but that's okay. It's just an example. Now, put your hand flat like a hieroglyphic. Now, let's say a drop of water falls on your hand. Which way is the drop going to roll off? Over which finger or over the thumb or the other side? Thumb. Uh-huh. Okay. 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 Now freeze your hand. Freeze your hand. Don't move. I'm going to do the same thing. Start with the same, same place again. Right. Which way is going to roll off? Let's we'll say back. Yep. Same way. So, same way. Same back. Same way. <gasps> A change. It change. Why? Because tiny variations, uh, the the orientation of the hairs on your hands. Yeah, hey, and look at this. Um, the amount of blood distending your vessels and imperfections okay. in the skin. Imperfections in the skin. Microscopic, microscopic, and never repeat, and vastly affect the outcome. That's
0: one unpredictability. No, Rafer, I have to say, I was a little bit sad. We we had a debate before this about whether or not we were going to choose his role in The Fly, yes, or in you? Jurassic Park. And I was, I was gunning for the Fly, but you
1: were gunning for the Fly.
0: Yeah, but you know, Jurassic Park. He's a little bit more of a real scientist feel, and less of a mad scientist.
1: Yes, I feel, I feel there's more seriousness uh, to Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park. Um, also, and he's completely fun in this film. You know, nature will find a way. Nature will find a way, Kristen. There it you go. Does. It always does. It always does. And he's been proven right in every Jurassic Park film since, and he'll probably be proven right in the next one. Don't you think? <laughs> I'm so
0: excited for the next
1: one. <laughs> Are you really? Jurassic World. Yeah. <laughs> Chris I love Pratt.
0: dinosaurs. Love yeah. That. And you love Chris Pratt, especially after that Galaxy movie.
1: Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. which, you, which you did not like. No, I did not. <laughs> All right. So, so those are some strong contenders there. Um, Kristen, who do you think deserves the Nobel Prize for theoretical movie science?
0: I'm going to say Dr. Ellie Arroway. That would be Jodie Foster in Contact. And here's why. As you were saying, the Carl Sagan in it, when you have Carl Sagan on board— On board the ship. (laughs) Uh You can't help but take it a little bit more seriously. And it sounds so convincing. It does. So convincing. What about you?
1: I'm going to go for Jeff Goldblum in Jurassic Park.
0: (laughs) Of course you are. Of course you are.
1: I refuse to believe, Kristen, that you're not familiar with the concept of strange attractors. He's just got such great lines. He's got such great magnetic energy in that film. He's so much fun. He's the, he's the, he's the new science rock star model, right? He's the new kind of scientist. Hip. He's
0: like the Brian
1: Greene. He's, he's like got, the... Exactly. He's, he's like, shades like the Neil and a, deGrasse Tyson. And an open shirt. He's hip. He's cool. I give him the Nobel for theoretical movie science, so we got a split decision there.
0: Is that okay? I think that's it? fine. I think right. that's
1: perfectly fine.
0: Excellent.
1: <laughs> we've, done, we've done the Lord's work here today. <laughs>
0: <Kristen>. <laughs> <laughs> All um, right. Well, it's time to wrap up this podcast. But before we do, it's time for some trivia the sad goodbye of trivia. So, Reefer, what was our question last week?
1: Well, last week we'd been talking about Tomorrowland, the George Clooney film based on the old Disney futuristic theme park one of my favorites as a kid and that got us thinking about other disney attractions that have been made in two films there are obviously many starting with pirates of the caribbean of course so
0: many of those pirates of the caribbean
1: movies we chose a harder one and we played this clip this
2: house has a bit of history to it and this history haunts these walls I don't think it's a good idea to put that information on in the listing. People love bathrooms. We should play up the whole toilet angle. I think that'd be best.
0: Wow. Well, that question was a real stumper, Rafer. And you know what? Of all the people who wrote and called in, nobody got
1: it right. Wow.
0: Nobody got
1: it right. That the, was the, That's that's mm, you, Kristen. You yeah, came up with that yeah, one. The,
0: the closest we got to a right answer was our longtime listener, Kevin Corpy in Tokyo, yes. who wrote on our Facebook page, for this week's movie trivia, I believe the answer is the horror comedy movie, haunted house. Close. That's the closest one we Close. got Close. It's week. the haunted mansion. The haunted mansion starring Eddie Murphy. And I I was just terrified of the haunted mansion as a kid. I just, oh, me too. I'm just going to say it. It was too scary for me. Yeah. Too scary. Not the movie we're talking about no. with Eddie Murphy, <laughs> but the actual attraction at Disney.
1: Yes. Too scary. Great ride. Too Great scary. Ride.
0: All right. So for this week's trivia, we're going to go in a different direction in honor of Aloha, that horrible Cameron Crowe movie that just yeah. makes for and I want to cry so bad. We're going to play a clip of another movie that takes place in Hawaii. Here's the clip. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. All of our dogs are adoptable.
2: Except that one! <gasps> what is that thing? A dog, I think. But it was dead this morning. It was dead this morning? Well, we thought it was dead. It was hit by a truck. I
0: like
1: him. Come here, boy. <laughs> 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 oh!
2: Wouldn't you like a different dog? We have better dogs,
1: dear. Not better than him. He can talk. Say hello. Oh ho, what is that film? If you know the name of that Hawaii-based film, give us a call, 5717Movies. Or you can always write us at
0: facebook.com slash date podcast.
2: We're here